0: Sesame Street has been using its special brand of magic to teach kids everywhere important lessons for decades. Today, we go behind the scenes of Sesame Street with Sherry Weston, who explains their approach to content while families around the world adapt to life during a pandemic.
1: We can reach children who are not in school. There are millions of children all over the world out of school in need of educational content, and we can provide them with messages of hope and of helping them deal with anxiety and helping give parents those tools and resources as well.
0: Sherry tells us stories about how many of the Sesame Street initiatives came to be with a particular focus on how it impacts the children who need it most here in the U.S. and all the way around the world. I'm Andrew Kaufman and this is The Strategist presented by the George W. Bush Presidential Center. For generations of families, Sesame Street has been a beloved institution. And as someone that grew up in a Sesame Street-watching family, I'm really excited about this episode. So welcome to Sherry Weston, President of Social Impact and Philanthropy for Sesame Workshop, the educational nonprofit behind Sesame Street. Sherry, we know you guys have a ton going on, so thank you for spending a few minutes with us here.
1: I I am delighted to be here, and I'm really impressed because you got that entire mouthful correct, my title and the organization. Well, I'm
0: going I'm probably gonna get it wrong a few times <laughs> along the way. No I'm gonna call it, I'm gonna flip flop words somewhere. I do it every time. Just, just so say I sense apologize. Everybody'll know what you mean. Yeah. <laughs> so y'all are really busy right now. Oh Can you gosh. talk about some of the some of the initiatives you have going right now with with COVID taking over our national discussion?
1: Absolutely. I mean, listen, it's, you know, Sesame Workshop, as you said, is the nonprofit that produces Sesame Street around the world. And, you know, people know Sesame Street, they love Sesame Street, but I think often they think of it as a domestic television show. They know we're educational, they've known us for years, but they don't understand that the workshop is is a nonprofit organization creating educational media like Sesame Street all over the world, not just here, and that we do so much more. I mean, we are creating content to reach the most vulnerable children around the world, not just television. You know, it's everything from um, curriculum and storybooks and lessons, uh, working directly with service providers. And then, of course, using the power of media to reach children in many cases where they have no other access to quality early education. And that can be television. It can be mobile. It can be radio. It can be, you know, any form of digital. And it's high-tech and low-tech Because it's whatever children have access to. So, as you can imagine, right now, um, you know, we've had a long history of helping children overcome really challenging issues, whether that was HIV and AIDS in South Africa, you know, focusing on girls' education in Afghanistan, um, right here at home, doing major programs around. Autism or parental addiction, you know, particularly helping children overcome traumatic events. So, as you can imagine, you know, this pandemic is one of the most traumatic events anyone could go through and especially impacts children. So, we're spending all of our time, even though we're doing it remotely, which makes it much harder, creating content specifically to help families and children um, deal with and cope with and understand. The impact of COVID nineteen, and um, you know these are all free resources. They're all over the world, and it's it's tough, but it's so important. And 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 I will say I have to you know I'm I'm working so hard. It's exhausting, and as it is for everyone, and it's challenging. But I'm so grateful that I'm able to work on something that that can help make a difference. And if ever there was a need for Sesame, you know, and the use of media because we can reach children. Who are not in school. There are millions of children all over the world out of school in need of educational content. And we can provide them with messages of hope and of helping them deal with anxiety and helping give parents those tools and resources as well.
0: Right. Because so many parents have to be struggling right now too. And and I know we've put out content trying to um, provide parents with resources during this time that they can use with their kids because their parents aren't professional teachers. And they're in a position now where they, they're having to not just teach their day-to-day lives, but teach them what's going on in the world in a way that's not going to upset them when the parents themselves are probably very upset.
1: Sure. I mean, it's so understandable. This is so daunting for every age. But parents in particular have to be able to model for children how to handle challenges like this. Um, Creating routines for children, even though they're at home, is so important. And again, um, just making sure that Children know they can talk about these issues. It varies depending on the age of the child, obviously, and the impact on children, you know, varies greatly depending on the age. But it, it's so important that children are able to engage with caring adults, and that's more important in times of trauma than any other.
0: And well, y'all have some some really cool content that's both aired recently, like we, there was recently a primetime special, almost play date and coming up uh, a town hall. Can you talk about how y'all decide these are the things you wanted to do and more about the, what these projects are?
1: Of course. Well, you know, Sesame Street, we're always there for families. And, and we have created a large um, body of work and it's called Caring for Each Other. So this initiative is um, both online resources, broadcasts, like you mentioned, the playdate, Elmo's play date, um, materials that help parents provide comfort and manage anxiety, um, create routines and foster playful learning. So all of this is, is about giving parents the resources and tools they need for children, but also for those to be catalyst for engagement between adult and child. Because again, that engagement is the most important thing. And then as you can imagine, some of that Content varies around the world because we're doing this in over 20 languages. Um, some of it is adaptable everywhere, and some of it is is created specifically for that region. We're doing a similar special um, in the Middle East mm. for Ahlan Simpson, which is our our broadcast. It means Welcome Sesame in Jordan. It will be similar to Elmo's Playdate, and we've now finally, um, thrilled to say, received funding to do the same in South Africa, in Bangladesh, um, and other places around the world because. Uh, we always create local content in their language, um, reflecting their customs and their their um, culture, but the needs are the same in terms of content for adults and children during this time. And then there's a lot around water sanitation, hygiene, um, the importance of washing your hands, um, healthy hygiene during this time, and that, again, we're doing all over the world.
0: Yeah, and the, I was actually doing some research before jumping on with you, and um, there were some great, like there was some coloring books and activity pages and um, videos telling parents how to talk to kids. And they were all at, that's uh, sesame street.org.
1: Yes. 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 And you can, um, we've just, we've just launched, um, you know, if you go, you can go to sesame street.org for, for content for children, you know, games, all of the Sesame street content you love. And then again, because we've created this special body of work caring for each other. Um, if you go to sesameworkshop.org, you can find all of this, all of these are free bilingual resources We've just launched our our critical needs response fund, so that we can help to try to, um, you know, fundraise and support more of this work. Most people don't realize Sesame is a nonprofit, but we've been very fortunate. People have stepped up to help support the work, and we've had a number of, um, you know, international funders and and corporations um, that have helped. As well, and so it empowers us to do even more, and we're so grateful.
0: Yeah, you you almost think you almost take it for granted that you had Sesame Street as a kid, and it's just it's just always there. It's it's I know for especially my generation as a I guess I'm Gen X, um, it's just a, a part of life. So you have Sesame Street, and you don't yeah. you kind of take it for granted, and don't realize how broad and expansive it is.
1: Yeah, we, we we think of ourselves now as the longest street in the world, Sesame Street is in over 150 <laughs> countries. But again, the work I'm most proud of and where I think we make the biggest difference is in those countries where we create completely local adaptations of sesame. Mm-hmm. You know, it's 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 Bachi Simpson in Afghanistan, which means Sesame Garden, or it's, you know, each, each country, you know, Plaza Sesamo was in, in Latin America, Takalani Sesame in South Africa. Th- those productions to me you know, because the curriculum is designed specifically for that country. The work we've done in the Middle East, in the Syrian response region, um, you know, which is like in Syria, Lebanon, Jordan, we're we're really making a difference. And it's, again, it's a sense and it's local. But right now, as you can imagine, this pandemic is hitting everyone. And the most vulnerable, you know, suffer the most. So whatever we can do to reach those children and families, we're doing.
0: So how do you... When you when you expand to a global entity, there, you know, there's a lot of challenging topics to tackle just domestically in the United States. Now you now you're taking on challenges across the globe. How do you, as a, as a nonprofit, decide which areas you can you can make the mo- you think you can make the most impact in, and and how do you how do you evaluate that?
1: Well, listen, both domestically and and internationally, we rely on partners, and you know, for our international work, our, our our first foray into the more developing world was actually in, in the first Bush administration with funding from USAID. Mm-hmm. And over the years, we've, we've continued, regardless of administration, to re- receive support that has allowed us to bring Sesame into developing countries where we know providing early education can make a huge difference. And But again, we'll always partner with local producers, local educators. We often partner with the Ministry of Education and we start With research, you know we're a research-based organization. We don't do anything without bringing in local experts, without doing needs assessments, Um, and that designs that that is what teaches us what to address in terms of the curriculum and the specific needs. And in our local work, we have a uh, we've had a program called Sesame Street and Communities for many years, which was basically a way of taking our initiatives, and making sure they were evergreen. And then finding partners on the ground, um, Nurse Family Partnership, Head Start, um, some varied in the different communities. But mm-hmm. those partners, we train, we provide free resources, and we listen to them. And we find out what they need, because they're on the front lines with the most vulnerable children and families um, in social services and as community providers. And honestly, it's, it's, Listening to them that that leads us to different initiatives. That's what led to our initiative around foster care. It's what led to our content and our initiative around homelessness. You know, people don't think of homelessness from the lens of a child. And most recently, it was parental addiction. And again, that's an issue that if you look at it through the lens of a child, you realize um, how devastating that can be on a child's healthy brain development. And yet, there aren't resources for young children. So we've gotten pretty good at creating resources around issues that people don't understand from a child's perspective. And I think, you know, in part it's because Sesame is so trusted. yeah. And we have these incredible characters that are children's best friends. We're able to tackle tough issues in a very non-threatening way, um, not only for the child, but even for the adults in their lives. And of course this pandemic, you know, it, It's exactly what we need to be able to do the same thing to address one of the you know most daunting situations, but in a way that can um, help children and help families help their children.
0: It's it's really when you go back and watch it as an adult, um, you know, I don't have kids and so I don't necessarily watch it with kids. But I was watching some to to prepare for this. I saw the episode with or the segment that Mrs. Obama was on, and it was really clever the way um, Grover was they taught the lesson of where he didn't, he skipped his breakfast and he was trying to patrol around and protect, make sure Mrs. Obama wasn't disturbed during her breakfast. And he got tired because he hadn't had enough nutrition. And, and it's this memorable lesson that's presented in a way that's, that's so friendly. And it's, it's really the way that y'all do that. And then, and then you cross boundaries doing it across countries too, which is.
1: Well, listen, I mean, it's a great example, but I mean, that, that was a wonderful, I remember I was on the set during that episode and, you know, you know, Again, it's another example of us looking at issues affecting children. And I think one of the ways that Sesame has tra- stayed so relevant over 50 years is there's certain things about Sesame that will never change that are true to our DNA, but the needs of children change over time in terms of issues. Mm-hmm. And when the childhood obesity crisis became so um, prominent, we started doing a program called Healthy Habits for Life. To you know, Elmo could help teach children to eat their colors, not just, you know, Mm -hmm. broccoli, like, um, cookie monsters started eating, um, healthy foods in addition to cookies and Mm -hmm. teaching that a cookie was a sometimes food, but fruits and veggies were an anytime food. So when Mrs. Obama created her own initiative around, I think it was called let's move, um, addressing childhood obesity, it seemed like a perfect fit. And that's what led to her doing that episode. And, um, you know, it, it again. It was perfect because it was her issue, but it was something that was completely consistent with Sesame's Healthy Habits for Life initiative. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, I, the other thing I would would add in in having um, prominent individuals and even and celebrities on the show, as we always have, is it works on two levels. You know, you're it appeals to the adult um, because of the celebrity, because of the guest, um, but it also is a Valuable lesson for a child, and you know I've been at Sesame so long, like over twenty years, but I still have these aha moments. And when I think now about the prescience that Joan Ganz Cooney had creating Sesame Street fifty years ago, you know, because she had this hunch that if an adult were watching with a child, the learning would be deeper. And that's why she added celebrities and humor and parodies and musicians, um, so that it would appeal to the adult as well as the child. And when you fast forward, we now have all of this neuroscience to prove that the way a child learns is through engagement with an adult. And as I mentioned earlier, that it's even more important to help mitigate the damaging effect of trauma on a young child is more engagement. So the fact that we appeal to adults as well as children makes us that much more Mm -hmm. effective in creating content to help children through these issues because it's, you know, in success, it's it's a tool for that engagement with the adult as well as the child.
0: Well, and especially as you when you look at the topics that y'all cover, start to get pretty complex. And um, you know, I know I know a lot of y'all's passion areas that you're passionate about are, are areas that Bush Center is also passionate about. I think I'd be remiss we didn't talk a little bit about Afghanistan.
1: Oh, I, I would love to. That's you know, Mrs. Bush. Uh, um, and I both feel passionately about Afghanistan. In fact, we're both on the Afghan Women's Council and, um, you know, so proud to be a part of that. And she's been such a huge champion.
0: You made a um, a special character for that audience, right? Zari, is yeah. that right?
1: Yeah, I lo- I'm glad you raised this because it's one of my favorite examples. Um, you know, in Afghanistan, as I mentioned, we have a production called Bache Simpson. And that means Sesame Garden and Dari and Pashto. And one of the key curricular goals in Afghanistan is girls' education because so many girls are not able to go to school. And this is again the power of media. We can reach them through television, through radio. Even in a country like Afghanistan, there is significant penetration. I think we're reaching about seventy percent, and there are about um, there are about four million children less than 5 million children under the age of 5. And in last count, Bache Simpson was reaching almost 4 million, That's which is incredible impressive. through radio, through television. And in countries like Afghanistan, there really is high viewership with an adult as well, watching together. So when we're trying to reach young girls, we're also trying to inspire them to create role models and to create examples so that they have... Um, the possibility of thinking of um, dreams they might not have otherwise considered. But it's so important that we also reach young boys and show them that it's okay for girls to go to school. So when we started creating the production, the very first Muppet, we wanted to be a girl. And her name is Zari. She wears her hijab and her school uniform. She loves to go to school. Um, She has a little brother, Zirak. And so that gave us opportunities for uh, Zirak to look up at Zari to model um, you know, a strong and girl and a little boy who admires her. And then we do, if you remember watching Sesame Street, they're often live action segments too. Mm-hmm. And so in those live action films, for example, we would have an Afghan father helping his daughter get ready for school. So again, you're showing that, you're modeling that. And my favorite thing about um, this production, we'd always do research, we measure our impact, um, to see how we're doing. And the research in Afghanistan shows that little boys who te- who watch test almost 30% higher on gender equity, saying they think it's okay for girls to go to school, um, that they think it's okay for girls to have different roles and responsibilities, which is huge. And um, because we re- receive our funding from the State Department, the U.S. State Department in Afghanistan. Um, The State Department also did research, and it was qualitative research, but it showed again and again, fathers saying they had changed their minds about sending their daughters to school because of watching Bache Simpson.
0: Wow. That is impact.
1: Right? And you realize, I mean, the power of media and Muppets. My my theory is it's because it's non-threatening. I'm not waving my finger and telling a father he should send his daughter to school, but he's seeing it in a very non-threatening way through a children's show. Um, but if we can change the attitudes of boys and men and inspire young girls, um, you know I really think we can plant the seeds for societal change and that's again the power of, of Sesame.
0: It's an incredible story when you when you look at that because that that country has had so many challenges with um, the Taliban and how they had how they had treated women over and you know, women that weren't and girls that weren't allowed to go to school or go to work. And, um, every inch of progress that you can make just makes such a big impact. And it's really, that's, it's impressive to hear the numbers there. Yeah.
1: I mean, I remember one of my, one of my favorite, um, memories or events, you know, at Sesame was when the Asia Society awarded us with the Game Changer Award because of our work in Afghanistan. And we brought Zari to the event. Oh, you know, cool. to accept. And it was actually presented by Mrs. Bush and uh, Rulagani, who is the First Lady of Afghanistan. And to see the two of them um, honoring our work around girls' education, it you know, was just so meaningful.
0: Another area where, you know, we're really passionate about democracy and, and supporting, supporting democracies and supporting um, refugees. As President Bush says, their families don't want to pack up and leave their home for the unknown. But there are so many places in the world where they absolutely have to. And they're, not doing, they're doing that out of love for their family, hoping for a better life. And, it's, and that's, that's something that's really difficult on children. And that's, a, a, that's one of your new, a new uh, not a new initiative, but a newly... Um, growing initiative for you guys.
1: Right. Yes. No, it's, it's, it honestly, it's one of the areas I'm, you know, so enormously proud of. I mean, you know, we've, we have not in the past done humanitarian work to the extent we're doing this. And it started about, you know, gosh, almost four years ago now when, when there really was the heightened um, uh, Syrian response, uh, the Syrian refugee crisis. And, and there were, you know, we were, as I said, we look at what are the issues impacting children around the world where we think we could make a difference. And at that point, there were more families displaced than any other time since World War II, almost half of whom were children. So, we're not a direct service organization. You know, We have proven educational content, but we're not on the front line. So, at the time, we looked hard at who could we partner with and ended up going to the IRC. I went to David Miliband, who runs the IRC, and asked if he would Work with us to do a pilot to see if we could use our Arabic content in Jordan, um, and and adapt it to work with IRC and empower them with content on the front lines for direct services. And we didn't have both of us are nonprofits, so we didn't have any funding yet. But we made the exception of announcing it before funding. And we, the two of us, went to um, the World Humanitarian Summit in Istanbul and announced this partnership. And. Lo and behold, that was that was good. We thought if we put a flag in the ground, maybe people would want to fund us. And we raised a small amount of funding enough to start a, a pilot. And the reason I share that first is because that's when we heard about the MacArthur Foundation's first ever 100 and Change Award, which was for $100 million. And I, again, went to David and said, would you want to um, apply for this? We are going to apply, but it's supposed to be for a project that is you know, addressing one of the most pressing issues in the world. And I thought, you know, how could this not fit that bill? So they agreed, and we applied for the MacArthur 100 and change. You know, you never think you're going to (laughs) win, but it it seemed like a good thing to
0: do. Start dreaming of what you can do with that kind of funding. Right.
1: The process took about 18 months. There were 1,907 applicants, but who's counting? (laughs) Um, And lo and behold, at the end of that process, we were selected for our partnership with the IRC. and that. Grant, you know, it's a five-year grant, but that enabled us to create the largest early childhood intervention program in the history of humanitarian response. Wow! And it's not only creating new content for mass media, Ahlan Simpson, which is on television, um, mobile, you know, every platform to reach children throughout the Middle East, but it's also creating this content so that. We empower the IRC to do home visits, learning centers, health clinics, all with this new Arabic content to help children and families affected by the um, Syrian crisis. And I think the most important thing to to mention here is that, and I'm sure it's another reason why we were fortunate enough to be selected, is in humanitarian response, less than 3% of all aid goes to education. And a, a tiny sliver of that is to early education. So when you think of displaced families um it's it's almost understandable. It, it, these used to be short term crises so so your aid went to shelter and saving lives and nutrition and safety, and of course, sure, but these are now long term protracted problems, and if we're not investing in education, how can these children growing up in these situations? possibly have the skills they need to thrive you know much less rebuild their societies so what we're bringing is early education and and the other thing i'm sorry i'm so long-winded but no, the other thing that that is really important to understand is there is so much research today that shows that reaching a child in the first 5 years of life is when we can have the greatest impact so if we're not providing content for those young refugees, for those young victims of, of these crises and in, in crisis settings, we're not giving them the same opportunities to really thrive. And and it's, um, you know, I think it's one of the most powerful things we've ever done. Now, I'm also thrilled to say that after, you know, really less than one year because of MacArthur's investment and, you know, they, they were investing in our ability to create a model that could be replicated you know in success it was not just for the children in the middle east but it was to transform humanitarian response to shine a light on this this need and this potential so that others would invest in early education as well and the lego foundation did just that and within a year gave a second 100 million for us wow. to deepen this work and expand it to bangladesh to the rohingya crisis mm-hmm. Uh, again, these are five-year grants, and we work with partners. So, right. it sounds like a lot of money, and it is. And we're enormously grateful. But, it, but it's it's you know it means you still have to look to raise the money to sustain the work, and for us to keep going.
0: And then another topic that we're both passionate about is is military families, and and. It's not just the service member who serves; right. their entire My family room. serves, and their entire family is impacted by everything that happens. Can you talk about some of your work with with military families? Yes, I mean
1: military families. Uh, that's another project that I'm, you know, have always loved. We we started back, um, you know, at the time when we were at the height of deployment, and and we realized. I mean, this literally started from a New York Times front page article that said that you know the number of of families with young children. Who were facing deployment, the, the parents, and often multiple deployment, and it just it was it was about seven hundred thousand, I think, that had very young children, and there were no tools or resources for families with young children, and that you know led to our first military family initiative. It was called Talk and Connect, and we realized that if you're like two or three years old, and you know Elmo was your hero, um, you, you know you often don't you feel like you're all alone when your dad's leaving or your mom's leaving and and that it's happening just to you and we also found that parents often didn't talk to their youngest children about it they just didn't think that maybe they should at that age so it started with DVDs of like Elmo's father was leaving um, and all sorts of materials, uh, books, um, content. And we partnered with the military and it was all served on military one source. So every, every military family had access to these materials. Mm-hmm. And I have to say it was so powerful and it led to our, you know, our ongoing work with military that that is happening even today. The next phase was about um, changes, about a parent coming home injured or changed. And in that, Rosita's father came home in a wheelchair. And again, we created so much content, um, so many resources. It led to when families grieve, if a parent doesn't come home at all. And today we're working on transitions, on uh, military families moving back into civilian life, um, we're working now on COVID response for military families, on um, materials for caregivers. It's it's just that there is so much opportunity, and again, so often people aren't looking at it through the lens of a young child. So I'm really proud of this work, and we we will I think we'll always be working with the military.
0: Well, that's that's the great value of Sesame Street is that it's such a reliable place to go for, to find resources to have these difficult conversations with kids, whether that is. A military transition or the COVID-19 yeah. crisis well, or a refugee. You can,
1: can imagine, I remember anecdotally people telling me that, you know, okay, my son loves Elmo and um, my husband is being deployed and we watched the DVD together and for the, you know, and Elmo's dad is leaving. And now, um, you know, it became a catalyst for my husband to talk about it with, with my son. And it, you know, we had, of course we had real research to show that too, but But it it made so much sense that it became this incredible tool to help children understand they weren't alone. And you know, it's it's similar to our autism initiative. I mean, quite frankly, it was because of the military family initiative that when we started looking at the increasing numbers in autism, that we thought, boy, if we can have this much impact with military family community, which is a fraction of the number of of people who have a child with autism, what could we do there? And again, I think creating see amazing in all children and Julia, the first ever autistic Muppet mm-hmm. and all of the resources for families with children with autism to help them cope. But, but as importantly, to help all children be more empathetic and more understanding by learning why Julia is a little bit different.
0: Yeah, that's true. Like, cause, cause kids naturally kind of, they, they notice differences and they don't, they haven't necessarily developed that sensitivity to, to treat it in, in, in a, in a way other than right. to, well, Sesame,
1: Sesame, our characters, you know, we we do a lot to help break down stigma and increase awareness and understanding. And, um, you know, I think that's so important.
0: So we've covered some serious topics, and and now I kind of have to ask this. So working at a presidential center, people will often ask me, do you ever see President Bush? And the answer is, yeah, he's really involved in the work we do. So absolutely. And I imagine people must ask you what it's like to work with Muppets, and um, I imagine um, Big Bird's head poking out the top of the cubicles or Cookie Monster showing up for a weekly meeting. Yeah, you
1: know, when I when I started at Sesame, my daughter was three years old. Um, <laughs> How perfect. And I remember, I remember the first day I came home, she goes, Mom, w- were they nice to you? And I thought, does she mean like the people that work at Sesame? And all about me, she meant the Muppets. I mean, she just thought Elmo was in the office next door and Cookie on the other side, you know. Um Listen, I've had the enormous privilege of serving in the White House, and I was in Bush 41, mm-hmm. so I show my age. But you know, I, I will, I will always think of that as one of the greatest privileges of my life. But I feel similarly about Sesame, and it's because it's the mission. It's because you know everything we do is about helping children grow smarter, stronger, and kinder, and we mean it. You know, mm-hmm. it, it's smarter mm-hmm. in terms of academic basics. It's stronger in terms of resilience and health and kinder in terms of empathy and understanding. And, and I'm so blessed to get to do this work. And I work with these incredible like-minded people who, who feel the same. Um, And, and yes, I get to hang out with furry characters and listen, having done a fair amount of like public appearances where I have a Muppet at my side and you may not see the puppeteer below. I'm like a three-year-old. I can forget that there's a, that there's a man down there with his hand, uh, you mm-hmm. know, in Elmo. Uh, so it, it it is so much fun, and they are so talented and so quick and clever. And and our Muppeteers feel the same way. They love that what they're doing makes a difference. You know, each and every one of them is working so hard right now from home. You know, it's not easy doing production remotely. Even that special we talked about. You know, that isn't easy. What we're doing in in Jordan, the production. Uh, the studio is shut in Jordan, too, and we're, we're, everyone is trying to do whatever they can in the most creative ways um, because we know there's a need, and it's pretty, it's pretty rewarding.
0: I was. I read an article the other day that some of the the puppeteers are, are enlisting their family members to help when they need an extra an extra hand, literally yeah. an extra hand to control literally, literally, part of the yeah, puppet. There are
1: two handed puppets. Yes, it's,
0: it's, you don't think about these things because the product the special was so well done and the production was great. You wouldn't you wouldn't know that it was done. You know. Well,
1: it's funny. You know, we had Anne Hathaway and we had um, Tracy Ross Ellis and Lynn Manuel, who Miranda, whom we love, who, who's a huge Sesame fan, and. Um, was on electric company. So he's part of the family, but, um, but I had friends tell me that who had young children, that part of the um, value was not only that you were including lessons and you were just hopefully giving children, you know, and families joyful opportunity in the special, but that young children who didn't really want to do zoom playdates and didn't really understand all of a sudden saw that Elmo was doing them and it made it okay. Yeah. So I thought that was a a, a nice um, outcome too.
0: Yeah, that was, that was, it was a really clever idea. It was really, really well done. So as, I guess as a closer, we always ask our, our guests um, kind of one closing question. And so I think for you, we're going to throw out at you, what are, what are we as a nation not talking enough about that we should be talking more about?
1: Well, you know I'll, my answer might have been different if it weren't for the pandemic but uh, but i mm-hmm. think actually it could be the same I, mm-hmm. you know i would say you know the hardest thing about what we're going through is is even though we say we're all in this together and um you know there's there's the virus doesn't doesn't judge anyone is vulnerable you know we also know it's not really the same impact mm-hmm. and as as with all crises, the most vulnerable are the most hurt, and that often has the greatest impact on women and children. And so, I think that's that's still the case, and particularly obvious right now. But what I would also say is that we do know reaching children in those early years is when you can have the greatest impact. And regardless of whether children are in crisis or um, not, the one thing I would hope we still recognize is why it's so important um, to invest in early learning and reaching the youngest um during the hardest times.
0: Well, Sherry, we can't thank you enough for news. You're incredibly busy. There's so much content that y'all that y'all are putting out and so much work just around the globe in a difficult time and I think we've eaten into your lunch hour. So thank you no, so no, much. No, no, for, no,
1: it's okay. We're we're working so hard, but this was this was a, a pleasure and um and again, I'm so honored that you would that you would invite me to talk with you and thank you for all you do. Um, and, you know, I'm,
0: we're so grateful. Well, we're, we're grateful for you. Thank you very much. Learn more about Sesame Street caring for each other at sesameworkshop.org. And you can find out how to watch Almo's Playdate and more at www.sesamestreet.org. You can learn more about the Bush Center's content and resources on COVID-19 at www.bushcenter.org COVID-19. And as always, you can learn more about our work, such as with women in the Middle East and Afghanistan, as well as veteran transition at www.bushcenter.org. If you enjoyed today's episode, please be sure to subscribe on Apple iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or anywhere else you go to for your podcasts. And please leave us a review or send us a note on social media at The Bush Center on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook.